and welcome to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I am so glad you could be here. My name is Sarah and my desire is to help you learn to sit still in a noisy world because it is in those still moments that we have the chance to know God. Silence is something we tend to run from because it is a place of confrontation where we can hear our thoughts and see ourselves for who we truly are. This is why we try to drown out the silence with the noise, any kind of noise from music to crowds to a packed schedule. We avoid this silence, but that is exactly where God wants to meet us. This is the reason behind this podcast, as well as my website, sitstillmydaughter.com. I want to encourage you to step away from the noise and the distractions and enter into his presence, the one who formed you with purpose. I promise that the more you get to know him, really know him, the more you will return his love and walk in confidence of who he made you to be, his image bearer to the world. So I invite you to join me on this journey of learning to sit still. If you have a question or prayer request, you can submit them via my website. I would love to pray for you and help in any way I can. There are also free Bible reading plans available to download and be sure to check out my social media accounts where I share short devotionals to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. All of those links are located in the show notes, so be sure to take a look after the episode. Also, if you haven't already, would you tap that subscribe button so you never miss an episode? You can also leave a review, which helps others find this podcast. Are you ready for the answer to the Bible trivia question I asked you last week? Who said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that they will reverence him. The answer is the Lord of the vineyard and found in Luke chapter 20. Our question for next week is what color was Daniel's robe given to him by Belshazzar? What color was Daniel's robe given to him by Belshazzar? And remember, I will have the answer for you on the next episode. It's hard to believe that we are almost done with another year. Each one seems to gain speed and fly by faster than the one before, but the final moments of the old year tend to slow down just enough to give us a chance to pause and reflect on the things we did, what we didn't do, and what we would like to accomplish in the new months ahead. Often it is seen as a time of reflection and preparation, which is what I want to focus on today. When I thought about the one thing that needed to be prepared more than anything for the coming year is the heart, because out of it flows everything else. But what is our heart exactly? In Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the Lord tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? While the world wants us to follow our heart, the Bible is clear that it will only lead you astray. It has no good intentions when left to itself. I always love that line from the film Fireproof when Michael tells Caleb, you need to lead your heart. But how do you lead your heart? By following the Lord. He alone knows our true heart. In the following verse from Jeremiah, we read, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to his doings. Only God knows what is really inside of us, which is why it is important to listen to his voice and follow his command. Don't forget that it is the Lord who fashioned 
the heart. He created it with purpose, with a longing to know him. He did not design the heart for solitude, but for relationships. Yet Satan is busy distracting us with his wide variety of substitutes. And sadly, many succumb to these false fillers thinking that it will fill the void. God granted us a free will. And unfortunately, this means we have the choice to pursue the meaningless things in life. The choice is left to us, but not the results. If we want a meaningful life, it must be wholly given over to Christ. We must lead our heart toward God to a deep and intimate relationship with him. When we do, all other relationships will benefit. But because our heart is bent in a sinful nature, it now comes with a host of problems such as pride, jealousy, and anger. These problems can only be resolved or overcome through his power. The more of our Savior that resides in our heart, the less room there will be for sin to remain or even have a grip. A heart left to itself will quickly lead us astray, but a heart fixed on Jesus will find itself on solid ground. The heart is also the true measure of a person. Remember what God told Samuel when the prophet was examining each of Jesse's sons? He thought that the oldest would be a great candidate because of how impressive he stood. In verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16, we read, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. It is the heart that will be judged in the end. This is why we must give heed to having a heart that is prepared, a heart that is wholly in love with God. He will not be impressed by our careers, our wealth, or even our status. No matter how impressed others are with us, if God evaluates our heart and finds it wanting, we should be concerned. It is never a good idea to base our spiritual status by how others see us because they can be deceived, but God will only be impressed with a heart that loves him like he was with David, the young shepherd who was a man after God's own heart. Have you ever stopped to consider what that meant? David's whole focus was God. He loved God and wanted to serve no matter where that took him or what it entailed. He loved God and was quick to respond to the giant's attack on the name of God. There was no hesitation but pure trust in God's ability to deliver this heathen Philistine into his hand, just as the lion and the bear had been. Why? Because this shepherd's heart was fixed on God. It was only when David began to follow his own heart instead of God's that the problems began. In fact, it would eventually lead him to have another title added to his name, murderer. David's heart was so consumed by the lust for a woman that it led him, instead of he leading it, to breaking God's sacred laws and killing another man. Something that was forever remembered in the lineage of Christ, it was still alluded to when Bathsheba was referred to as the one who had been the wife of Uriah. I believe that this is a prime example of what Jeremiah was talking about when he said the heart is desperately wicked. As I said earlier, a heart left to its sinful self, will only lead us down the wrong path. We must constantly lead it in the direction of our God to fix upon him and let the Holy Spirit speak to us and give us the needed counsel to stay on the right course. Our time in the quiet place is one way he speaks to us. As we sit and soak in his precious words, being diligent students who desire to learn of him, he will speak to us. I never want to have the stony heart mentioned in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. 
this stony heart carries the idea of a perverse heart, one that is hard, which is what happens when we drift too far into the realm of the world. We were intended to be a set apart people called with purpose to shine into the hearts of those who have a stone heart, a darkened heart, which we can't do if we're in the same condition. The thought of a stony heart should make us a little fearful too because of what it can produce. A stony, perverse, hardened heart is one that lacks a fear of God. It prefers to go its own way no matter the cost. It is stubborn, prideful, and will always lead to trouble. What's interesting about the verse we read in Ezekiel is the fact that God had to remove it. You could say he had to perform a heart transplant. That is the only way to truly cure a stony heart. You have to let God remove it and give you a new one. That is why we are made new the moment we are saved. God isn't interested in renovations. He wants to tear down your heart and build a new one. This is how we can fulfill the verse that comes after 19. That they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. This is partly the why behind the needed transplant. We will never be able to fulfill the commands of the Lord. We will never be able to even love him as we should if we have a heart of stone, a heart that is cold to the one who created it. We have to be made new. If you have never let God perform a heart transplant for you, would you make that this year? There will be a special link for you in the show notes. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me. There is nothing more important than giving your stony heart to God and letting him give you a brand new one. Lastly, I want to talk about another aspect of our heart. It is also the seat of emotions and the core of who we are. It's like the one place we let our hair down, which is one reason why it makes a clear gauge of where we are spiritually. In Matthew 6, verse 21, we read, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What we love reveals where our heart is, what is most important to it. This is why Jesus said we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we love the Lord with all of our heart, not just some, but all, it will keep us from pursuing the things of the world and keep our focus on the eternal, the things that really matter. But sadly, so many of us struggle to give our whole heart to God, perhaps We are afraid that we will miss out or that we can get by with just giving him half, but he wants it all. Our heart is our most valuable asset, which means we should guard it. As it says in Proverbs 4, 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The word keep means to watch, to guard, and the word diligence means watch thy heart. One lexicon stated that above all things which are to be guarded, Keep thy heart. Why is it so important to keep a diligent watch over our heart? Because of the issues that pour out of it. The word issues carries the idea of outgoing, a source. The heart is the source of life, the core of who we are and how we live. We make decisions every day based on our heart, whether we realize it or not. And a heart not in tune with God will do as it pleases the flesh, not the spirit. Proverbs also gives us a few extra tips on what to do with our heart that will be beneficial to our life. Proverbs 2 verses 1 and 2 says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words 
and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. The word apply carries the idea of inclining one's own heart unto God and his commands. Over and over again, God is directing us to lead our heart to him. That is the step we must take. We must lead our heart. He is the source of wisdom, life, and love. Apart from him, we can do nothing and our life will be meaningless without him. We will spend our days aimlessly wandering the earth looking for that one thing that our heart is longing for and it can only be found in him. As we prepare to say goodbye to another year, let's take a moment and inventory our own heart. Examine what is inside and determine what needs to go so that there is room for the things that truly matter. Our God has done so much for us. Because of him, we have eternal life. And because of him, we know what true love, real, sincere love is. Because of him, we have been freed from the burden of sin. There is no way we can ever repay him for these incredible gifts, but there is one thing we can give him, our hearts, holy, without reservation. May this be the year we surrender our heart to the one who loves us with an everlasting love. Happy New Year, my friends. Thank you.